Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is the best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day. Let's get it on. We're going to get it on with the Joe Rose Show, checking in with former Dolphin, who has a very interesting story that you're not going to want to miss in just a few minutes, Sammy Smith. Also, the Dan Lebertard Show, looking into those kind of shifty, shady commissioners. Then Hawk and Crowder, MJ or King James, today, who would win? Hmm, you might be very interested to find out. Right now, find out about these headlines. University of Miami President Julio Frank says the U will most likely play football this fall in front of no fans, while Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh says he would rather do that than have no football at all. ESPN's Jalen Rose has proclaimed that Jimmy Butler is the NBA's most underrated player. The NBA season remains suspended. Despite being excited to have Tua Tagovailoa on the team, Dolphins QB Ryan Fitzpatrick says he thinks he should start this season. Chad Johnson left a $1,000 tip at the recently reopened Havana's Cuban Cuisine in Cooper City. You can see a picture of the receipt on his Twitter page. Former WWE star Shad Gaspard's body has washed up on shore at Venice Beach in California. Gaspard is expected to have drowned after being washed away by a riptide. Miami transfer quarterback Eric King explains it was Manny Diaz's defense coupled with new offensive coordinator Rhett Lashley that attracted him to the Canes. Miami is supposed to open the season against Temple September 5th. And now, let's take a step into the day spa. <sighs> Remember, you can always step into the day spa any time of the day on my Twitter page, at Dan Day Radio. An Instagram model claims a botched butt lift that she received here in Miami led to her not being able to sit down for some six months. Come on, Miami cosmetic surgeons, focus. A 90-year-old in Japan has been given the record for oldest gamer in the world. Uh-oh, granny's getting blazed and serving people online tonight. An Irish woman recently posted her joy after having her first bite of a Big Mac in two months due to the coronavirus lockdown. Man, she's setting the bar very low for her next date, although she is my hot mess of the day. Robots in Seville, Spain are being used to serve customers at bars contactless beers. Finally, we're using technology for good during this pandemic. 
Now on to weather. Tonight's forecast calls for rain with temperatures around 80. This morning, Joe Rose Show got up like they do weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. every pretty much week of the year. And they caught up with former first-round pick of the Dolphins and a guy that has an unbelievable story you're just going to have to hear right now, Sammy Smith, talking about going from Bobby Bowden to Don Shula as his coach. Also, what was it like to be a first-round pick? Fumbleitis? prison and just continuing to share his story the director of character development at mississippi also the ninth overall pick in the 1989 draft for the miami dolphins sammy smith going to join us right now good morning sammy welcome to the show thanks for a couple minutes hey good morning man thanks for having me sammy uh great talking to you last night a little bit man what a roller coaster we've all been on roller coasters but i gotta tell you You've been on one of the biggest ones I can remember, just reflecting on being a first-round pick of the Dolphins, playing from going from Bobby Bowden to Don Shula. What was that adjustment like? Well, I tell you, man, it was uh, a dream come true to be able to go and play for Coach Bowden and to play for the Seminoles and competition that we had competing against Miami and Florida, Auburn, all those years. So it was it was certainly life-changing and, and a time that I will never, never forget. And then to have the opportunity to be drafted in state by Coach Shula, whom I greatly respected, and to play for him and, and to play with Dan Marino and Mark Duper, Mark Clayton, Jim Jensen, all those guys that uh, really impacted my life still do today you know i'm still in touch with uh louis oliver and mark higgs farrell edmund you know so i've got lifelong friends that developed from that time and uh was really excited about coming and being a part of that program i want to ask you being a first round pick i always tell everybody being a first round pick the great news is you're the first round pick and the money and that signing bonus like your life changes right out of college the bad news of being a first round pick are high expectations what was that like for you that adjustment it wasn't really um, something that was, you know, overwhelming. Um, I was confident in myself. I believed that God had blessed me with the abilities to play at a high level. Um, I had done it all my life and at every level, and uh, I was excited about coming down to Miami and playing. And I, I can tell you that no one wanted to win any more than I did on that team. No one had more expectations for himself than I did. You know, so the, the, the fan expectation and the, the team expectation went along with what I expected. You know, I expected to come down there and to play well. I mean, I, I, we, stories are written, obviously, and we know the story, but how uh, how tough were those days uh, with the Dolphins, the two straight weeks, whatever, and the, and the chance in the stadium? Uh, I know personally you were going through a lot, too, when you read your story. Anyone who knows that can see that. But football-wise, how tough was it for someone who, who went to Florida State, was so good at Florida State, and then all of a sudden obviously had a two-week mark that no uh, NFL player would probably want to have. But how tough was it for you mentally, physically, everything going through that with the Dolphins those couple weeks? Well, I think it was more tough at that time mentally. You know, I don't think that the fans really realized what it took to, to get onto the field and to play at a high level. I remember that year vividly. I think we played Tampa Bay in the first preseason game, and I had a knee injury in that game. So I missed the next, you know, three weeks of preparation to get ready for the uh, regular season. I can remember sitting in the, the meeting room that week, uh, probably a day or two before the game uh, in Kansas City, course i wasn't in the best of shape i had just started practice think that week and coach shula and don carl tassif was my running back coach they told me said we you know we're just going to play you a little bit we'll work you in the shape these next few games 
will get you in just for a few series. And if you're in there and you get tired, just look to the sideline. You know, we'll get you out. And i never forget that Kansas City game. I think I had probably two or three runs back-to-back that were first-down runs or really good runs, and, and I was tired. I remember Dan Marino asking me, are you okay? I said, Dan, I'm tired. He says, well, get out. Get Higgy in here. And I looked to the sideline and motioned for him to get me out, and Coach Shula told me to stay in. I think that what had happened was he had a – I think he had a hot running back at the time, and the game plan changed from, you know, we're going to sparingly use Sammy and just let him work his way in shape to, you know, we had something good going in that drive, and he wanted me to stay in. Well, fast forward, you know, a couple of plays later, I get the handoff, and I just don't hold the ball. You know, it's not, I'm not making any excuse other than the fact that I wasn't in training camp and, you know, just wasn't physically ready to play in an NFL football game at that time. You know, I just wasn't ready to play down after down after down, and um, I I let the ball go, and and that was history. And then the same scenario the next week. You know, I get the same instructions going into that game, and I believe the same – thing happened so you know it is what it is uh but that was the most difficult time is that i think people really didn't realize what it takes to get out on the field and perform at a high level and there's a reason why you have training camp and there's a reason why you play those preseason games is to get you ready to play in the in the big games and i often thought about how quickly things can change the year before i believe we played kansas city in a playoff game or, or a game to make it to the playoff. And it was, a, I think, a fourth down and one or two. And we had to have that yardage to keep going and keep that drive going in the score. And I was able to convert that first down on a tough run. And, and everybody was excited. And, you know, I was sort of the, the hero for that game. And then you fast forward a year later, and, and we're in Kansas City, and it's a different outcome. Sam, I got to ask you, seven years in prison, just even – for a federal case and and you get convicted sitting there and then seven years in prison going through that going back towards that it, it I, I can't even imagine what it would be like but it, it seemed like it really got you could have gone either way but you seemed like you really went on a mission after that seven years in prison what was that like going through that I can tell you man the seven years of prison was life-changing the first night that i got arrested literally was life-changing because at that time You know, I got the chance to see how I had allowed things to just transform in my life and to change the direction and and, and who I was and the character that uh, my family had raised me with. uh, That certainly wasn't who I was, you know, and I knew that sitting in that jail cell that first night that, man, how, how did I get here? How did this happen? You know, this wasn't how I was raised. But I also knew that was what it took at that time for God to get my attention and for me to know that, man, I had, you know, something else to offer folks and that when this was all over with that I knew that I would be used positive way to impact lives and at that time it was what I think was needed uh was it easy to have to leave your family and I had a eight-year-old daughter at the time man that was traumatic to have to go through that you know but it was also uh life-changing when I realized that at the end of the day all of our journeys you know none of us are perfect uh life is not cookie cutter but it's about what you can bring to the table when you go through difficult times and how you can impact other people's lives how you can share your journey and give instruction on things not to do and give instruction on things to do and how to live. And so I think that uh, my journey 
although it be not one that I would have wished on anyone else, it was my journey. It was the one that God set in place for me, and it's the one now that I'm using uh, to the best of my abilities to honor him and to impact lives and to, you know, create uh, environments with football players and coaches that let them know what's important, you know, how important it is, the platform that you have to be college football players and to be college coaches and the impact that you're able to have on people's lives. Are you able to let it all go? After all you've been through, obviously, it, it, you, you ever beat yourself up or have you gotten past that? You got your degree and you're at Ole Miss as a director of character development with the football program. Or, or does it still haunt you sometimes? No, uh, Joe, I've let it go. I held on to it for so long. I held on to uh, what happened down in Miami. And I can tell you it was probably, I'm almost certain, 2013 that I came down to Miami to speak at a FCA breakfast there. Florida State was playing Northern Illinois in the uh, Orange Bowl. I was the guest speaker there. And, man, I kind of wavered about even coming and doing that speech because I still held, you know, some hurt and pain for that city. And God just kind of spoke to me. I, I want you to go down there and I want you to share and share your story and uh, uh, be a part of this breakfast. Well, that breakfast had about a thousand people in it. I remember sharing my journey, sharing how my life had been impacted. I touched on uh, my time down in Miami. I touched on uh, losing a son, a two-month-old son, while I was a Dolphin player to, to see it. Coming home late one night and... and uh, my son had passed, and my wife lay there sleeping, didn't know it. I touched on uh, the the incident down in the Dolphin Stadium, you know, with the Sammy Sucks uh, chants. And I just shared my heart. And after that, I had a line of people that were waiting to come up and talk with me. And some of these people were people that were in the stands that day that came to me literally with tears in their eyes, just kind of apologizing and understanding that, you know, I was just a human being, that, man, I wanted to win, and I, I worked my butt off to try to be the best player I could be and to perform for Miami and for our Dolphin fans. Man, that was the crushing part. And then I had several, two couples that came up to me that had recently lost kids to Sid, oh, and they wanted to know how was I able to get through that, and I just told them it was just the grace of God. It's not a, probably a day or two that goes by that I don't think about my son, who would have been, you know, 31 years old, I believe now. I've had the chance to share both of those stories and a lot of other things that have impacted my life. You'd be surprised on the occasions that I get to do that, the people that come up and that have experienced some similar thing. Sammy, how much did Bobby Bowden mean to you in your life? Uh, I know, obviously, you played at Florida State, but I can imagine that you're either still in contact or have been in contact with him over the years. I speak with Coach Bowden very often. I love him. You know, there's a saying that we share within the FCA uh, circles that a coach has the uh, ability to impact more lives in one year than the average person does in a lifetime. And I can tell you that Coach Bowden certainly has impacted not only my life, I believe, but everybody that's played for him. And uh, I've been here at Mississippi. Prayerfully, we'll have a, a football season here coming up. Uh, this will be my fifth year working with this team. And we've had Coach Bowden been in Mississippi probably three to four times over that time, you know, speaking at different FCA events across the state. And I always get the pleasure and the luxury of uh, traveling to wherever he's at to introduce him as the speaker and, you know, to spend that time with him. So he has been a blessing to me as well as Coach Shula. A lot of people don't know. Uh, man, that, that broke my heart to hear 
uh, the news about Coach Shula. I remember right before I was getting traded uh, that Coach Shula called me in. He talked to me. He asked me, you know, well, you know, we got an opportunity to do this. What do you want to do? And I'm going to tell you that that's the one thing I regret from my time down there. That I believe that I had the opportunity and Coach Shula was giving me the opportunity that if I wanted to stay and work it out and come back and fight strong and fight hard to be the player that I was capable of being down at Miami that I could have possibly had that opportunity to stay. But he also felt like, you know, I may have needed a new a new start. But And he gave me that opportunity. And the one thing that always haunted me was, man, should I, you know, should I have pressed harder, stay down there and finish the course that uh, was before me? That really bothered me a, a lot because I didn't like leaving and, and leaving really unfinished business. And that's been kind of my motto over the years now is, man, I'm trying to accomplish and to do things that certainly I believe God called me to do and to finish things that I started. And that's, that's why I just uh, recently finished four semesters of college to get my degree here from Ole Miss. Sammy, it's a great story, man. It, it really is. And uh, we appreciate you coming on, spending a few minutes uh, with everything, and so glad that uh, you're out and uh, and you're doing great again, man. So thank you so much for spending a little time with us down here in South Florida. Thank you. No, man, anytime, man. You guys, uh, I'm expecting big things from Tua down there. And you guys, <laughs> keep an eye on Benito Jones. I think he's going to be – a steal for the Dolphins, and he's going to be a tremendous player down there. He's a great, high-character young man. That is great stuff from Stammy Smith right there. Remember, you can download the podcast for this show, The Joe Rose Show, or any of the shows on 560 The Joe by simply going to our website, wqam.com, wherever you get your podcast for absolutely free, or the radio.com app. Just five minutes away from the Dan Levitard Show, let's check in. From a perception standpoint, who's smarter, Roger Goodell or... Adam Silver. Very interesting. Keep it locked right here on the Best of the Joe Show. Welcome back to the Best of the Joe Show. Running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Day on Twitter at Dan Day Radio. And happy, I guess, postalamous birthday to Joe Cocker on this day in 1944. He was born, unfortunately passed away in 2014 to lung cancer. I actually watched a documentary on Joe Cocker. That dude lived a very fast, crazy life, but he could sing. He could sing. He had that soul in him. What would you do if I sang? Yes, indeed. Joe Cocker. Dan Lebetard Show. They got that soul every day from 10 to 1 right here on 560 The Joe. Earlier today, they were talking about Shady Sergeant Slaughter hmm? and Vince McMahon. Hmm? It'll all make sense in just a minute. Also, are there other sports commissioners that are just as shady? And the double standard between Adam Silver and Roger Goodell. Mike Ryan, as many of you know, is alleged to be an adult. He is in his mid-30s. He is a father for the first time. Uh, but weirdly, I would say, he is still a crazy, passionate 
professional wrestling fan. Uh, up until this year, he had made many consecutive trips to WrestleMania. Uh, and furthermore, the last two months, to God says we've been doing this show during the pandemic, I've seen more wrestling than I saw in my childhood. Because every day, Mike Ryan comes in here and he turns on some match from the 90s that is totally racist, totally sexist, and totally wonderful. Right. And he stands in front of the television smiling like a child. I will tell you that just moments ago, I learned for the first time that Sergeant Slaughter did not serve in the military. I did not know that. Yes, I did not know that. (laughs) I know. Yes, I know. Evidently, this was a scandal exposed just a couple of months ago. Like, he's been taking all those thank you for your service for decades. And it was only revealed a couple of months ago. But the reason that I bring this up, beyond the fact that one of the things that Mike Ryan has done more than anything is point at the television and say, over the last two months, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. All of those guys next to Bobby Heenan are dead. Like, the the death rate in wrestling is crazy. What a sad way to watch something that brought so much happiness to so many people. I mean, seriously, Mike. But his childhood never dies this way because, honest to God, you should see the smile on his face. But the reason I bring all of this up, Stugatz, is because in the days of my very, very naive youth, I was always confused when Dusty Rhodes would inevitably lose a loser leave town match and then return in a mask as the Midnight Rider. Same body, same blonde curls. Uh, it's never been proven. It's never been proven. We tried to interrogate his son uh, the couple weeks ago, and it did not work. But the reason I bring that up, and I don't know if that's still a gimmick, the loser leave town match, or returning as a persona wearing a mask. The other thing that happened with him is then he'd get into a match, and they'd pull off his mask to reveal that it was Dusty Rhodes, but he would be, he'd be wearing another mask. <laughs> right. Yeah. The dude was playing chess out there. And underneath that was another mask, right. (laughs) But Vince McMahon is doing the equivalent of the Midnight Rider. The XFL is bankrupt. He, he, He filed for bankruptcy and now it's being reported that the XFL, which should have a buyer, it should get a buyer. Now that you could buy it at a discount rate, man, there are a whole lot of companies right now that you could buy at a discount rate. It's a good buying time if you have money on discount rates and things out of bankruptcy. But Vince McMahon, who filed bankruptcy, evidently, reportedly, is now trying to buy the XFL. (laughs) Perfect. Classic McMahon swerve. File for bankruptcy, make all sorts of insurance claims, don't pay Oliver Luck the money that you promised him, and buy it under a shadow corporation back at a cut-rate price. This is amazing. It should be uh, Midnight Rider Inc. is what he should call it. He fires Oliver Luck at 20 million dollar salary he fires him for cause right. uh, and one of the causes is he was using his business phone as a uh, you know a personal phone it was a ridiculous thing there's no way that holds up he's just hoping that the argument uh, brings enough lawyers that they can settle it so he doesn't have to give him the full 20 million so he gets it back at a reduced price and gets luck's salary off the books i mean mcmahon's a genius this is a it's important to note that this 
this isn't 100% verified. This is according to feelings that creditors have and the fact that venues in, I believe, St. Louis and Seattle received calls from a, a front office type that used to be with the XFL about extending possible lease agreements. Third time's the charm? The triple XFL? Vince McMahon, Stugatz, a whole lot of people obviously find him incredibly shady, and he has to be, kind of. Uh, given uh, what he is commissioning, he tried to purchase the credibility of Oliver Luck, who's sort of like the opposite of Vince McMahon to run his league. The thing that I wanted to ask you about, though, Stugatz, as it relates to commissioners, right? Because Vince McMahon ridiculously was on these open the economy calls, uh, along with a whole bunch of other people who shouldn't have been on those calls from sports. And I wanted to talk to you about the commissioners in football and basketball and just how amazingly disparate the relationship with the players is. Because I have found fairly astounding, okay? that in basketball, the respect for Adam Silver is so great that you will not find a dissenting word from an owner, from a player. The respect is so large for this man's grace, his decency, his leadership, his wisdom, that you will not find anybody saying anything bad about him while in football. The players have no problem whatsoever just crushing the commissioner. The media has no problem whatsoever crushing the commissioner. Uh, Sean Payton doesn't have any problem feeling wronged by the commissioner. And it's such a different way of leadership. We've talked so much over the last couple of days about like Michael Jordan's last couple of months, Michael right. Jordan's style of leadership and that there's not only one way to do it. There are many ways to do it. The preferred way though, Stugatz, has to be Adam Silver's. Like the preferred way in terms of the respect you've accrued where people just seem to trust that you're going to do what's in their best interest, what's in the Sports best interest, even if those interests aren't aligned between owners and players. Well, what do you attribute that to? Is it because Adam includes his players in the decision-making process? He actually calls his players. He gets their feelings, gets their viewpoints, gets a bunch of different viewpoints, ultimately makes his own decision, but he is getting a lot of different opinions from a lot of different places. I think that helps. It feels like the other leagues are so adversarial. It's us versus you. And he's like, no, hey, let's attack this together. Well, here's one of the reasons I would put very high on the list. Uh, Adam Silver is usually the smartest guy in whatever room he's walking into, and he's walking into some pretty important rooms with some pretty important people. That's one thing. Uh, right. Say whatever you will about Roger Goodell. I think if we put them next to each other and just simply ask people uh, from a perception standpoint, who's smarter, Roger Goodell or... Adam Silver. I think most people would say Adam Silver. That's one part of it. The other part of it, though, is that he is a partner and an ally with his players. Even as he works for the owners, it's not quite as obvious as it is right. with Roger Goodell that he works with the owners. And Roger Goodell, I remind you, Stugatz, had a very good Q rating. When he was iron-fisted guy cleaning up the bad boy behavior off the field right up until Bounty Gate, and he lost everyone at Bounty Gate. Like, the Saints had no problem calling bull bleep on that and that is where he started to spiral in terms of what his reputation is but it is when you put them next to each other never mind even that never mind even next to each other when you think of commissioners Bettman exists to be booed Bud Selig before Manfred exists to be booed people are now coming down on Manfred from every angle even though he hasn't been there very long what you're looking at in Adam Silver doesn't have a lot of recent precedent in terms of integrity at the 
position and respect that the position. I don't even know. Faye Vincent? Like, how far back do I need to go before I get someone who's as universally respected? Like, somebody, give me something that you've heard anyone say about Adam Silver publicly where you're like, that's a criticism that seems valid. That's a pretty high-profile position to have nobody coming after you up until, you know, the China stuff that ends up dividing everybody. Was David Stern respected this way? Was Pete Rozelle respected this way? Rozelle so- probably was. Yeah, yeah, and Stern Stern, Stern was respected, but he was more like Goodell than like Silver. Like, Silver took some of the good from Stern, but he uh, he got rid of some of the bad. Like, he doesn't do the dictator stuff. Adam Silver smooth, Roger Goodell. I don't know. This offseason, he's been kind of smooth with the whole coronavirus. We're just going to have to wait and see how it plays out. Always smooth, Hawk and Crowder. Mm-hmm. So LeBron James versus Michael Jordan in one-on-one next year, first player to 21 who do you think, obviously, the favorite is? Shh. We'll find out the answer in five here on The Best of the Joe Show. The Best of the Joe Show, running back some of the best audio you've heard on this radio station over the past 24 hours. I am Dan Dan. Why am I playing Violent Films Blister in the Sun? Because it's the band's Guy Hoffman's 66th birthday. Other big birthdays, if you're a hockey fan or fan of the Wayne's World movies, you know Stan McKee. He was born on this day in 1940. And Pinson, Brun, Brunson Pinchot, Perfect Strangers, 61. These guys aren't Perfect Strangers. They're awesome. They're Hawk and Crowder. They're saying bye-bye. Also, MJ or LeBron nowadays, plus Sweaty Guacamole. We were just talking at the end of the 2 o'clock hour about things that could potentially disappear, like Pier 1 Imports, which is disappearing, uh, things that could potentially disappear due to coronavirus and, you know, all these buffet restaurants and whatnot. Uh, and then my friend Claude, our friend Claude Crowder, texted me the Shoney's Buffet. You remember the Shoney's Breakfast Buffet? Yes, when I was a kid. I oh, remember. did I love that. <laughs> I love All this stuff before I got married, before my <laughs> wife shamed me on all this stuff, because I used to work up in West Palm, and there was a Shoney's Buffet. I think it was, was it on Palm Beach Lakes Boulevard or Okeechobee Boulevard? There was a Shoney's Buffet, and man, I would, you know, go into the radio station if I had an early meeting, sometimes 8 a.m., 8.30, and then I'd leave, I'd go right on over to that Shoney's Buffet, man. I'd love up on those plates oh times were so good i don't i'm with lori on this one hawk i don't think she shamed you i think she upgraded you because she did think about the people <laughs> you were with at shoney's yep. no she uh impacted my life in many positive ways Thank i there is so no much. question in my mind if i did not meet my wife I would be living in uh, some rental apartment in Port St. Lucie right now, and a big night out would be Shoney's or (laughs) something. Like, that's really, that was my track. That's the track I was headed on. And, uh, yeah, she uh, she definitely saved me. <laughs> what they say? A, a lid for every pot? I'm glad yeah. you found your damn lid because, goodness gracious. Thank God. Oh, my God. If you, if you knew me before I met Lori, I mean, honestly, I was carrying around gob credit card debt, couldn't wait to get to the Shoney's Buffet, didn't understand why you would want to buy a house when you could rent. It would do just fine. I, I just, if you, I, I'm telling you, I was a different human being. I was a yeah. different human being. And that's Thank what I got to tell women. That's what I tell my buddies that aren't married. And they're like, man, how did you know? Like, bro, I, I knew your exes. I knew your other girlfriends. How did you know? I say, bro, because you, 
you wanted to change. She wasn't forcing you. You wanted to change. You wanted to get better. And that that's my answer when guys ask me about it. Oh, I thought I thought that sliced turkey at Subway was right carved off the bone. I didn't know. I didn't know. You think Subway had turkeys in the back, huh? Were- she's like she's like you know that that's not like turkey like like and I'm like what are you talking about? It's turkey. Not that I have anything I still like Subway by the way. I yeah. I took a 20 year hiatus and now I'm back and I have no shame in it. But I I I like I just didn't know things. I was like, "Oh, but it's turkey." She's like, "But do you know what like fresh turkey carved off the bone tastes like?" You know. And it, and it was like, you know, it's almost like Helen Keller moment, you know. She's like, "Here, eat this turkey oh i get it i get it i understand so, right. so Sub- subway's your mistress <laughs> something like that man i was on some path i will tell you so we were we were talking uh, and i heard just uh, jim rome if you were listening on 790 the ticket you get the jim rome sports update and he says yes i'm still talking about the last dance so who is the goat is the question and that's a uh, a debate that has been raging following the last dance so here is the uh, the odds from sportsbetting.ag, and the fine print states this is a one-on-one game that would have to occur in 2021. Mm-hmm. So this would happen next year, both players at their current age, current level, so it's not Michael in 1991. This is next year, and it, here are the rules. First player to 21 points, free throws are one point. Field goals are two points, no three-pointers, no dunking. Ooh, no three-pointers, no dunking. No three-pointers, no dunking. So it evens it out a little bit for MJ yeah. over a year, right, to prepare for this if he were to agree to this, all right? Mm-hmm. So LeBron James versus Michael Jordan in one-on-one next year, first player to 21. Who do you think, obviously, the favorite is? LeBron. LeBron. LeBron is minus 500. Michael is plus three hundred, which is not huge. Like it you, should you take, be a lot, lot further than that. Right. It should be LeBron minus two thousand, really. But yeah. that shows you how much people like me believe that Michael can still do anything that he wants to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? It? Like I feel like if you gave him a year and you said you're gonna play LeBron one on one national TV in May of 2021, man, I feel like MJ can still run into that phone booth and come out like Superman. <laughs> You are crazy, man. What's Probably. MJ? Fifty something? How old yeah. MJ? Yeah, he's got to be right. He's yeah, he's he's older than you for sure. Correct. Let me see. Yeah, it has to be fifty-seven, Hawk. Fifty. Wow. Okay, so he's fifty-eight Bro, next year. I, I would take I would take a majority of the NBA over Michael Jordan at fifty-seven. A damn majority. Years old. Really? A majority? You take the entire Bro. NBA over Michael yes. Jordan at fifty-eight? Well, wow. That's might- a great. Now that's a great question, though. Would you take? Pull someone off the heat bench, Solana. Derek Give me Jones someone off Jr. the heat bench. Right now, I, I, I take him. No threes and no dunking. No threes and no dunking. Duncan Robinson. No threes, no dunking. I take him over MJ right now at 58. And if you don't, really? you're, you're out of your, out of your mind. Even even Derek Jones Jr., if you couldn't dunk, though, but he could lay up. He could do a layup when he would get to the rim. I don't know if Jordan could keep up at 57 with any guy at 22, 24. That would be the problem, obviously. Now, make it a game to 11 instead of 21. Would that change your opinion? No. Hulk, like, think about this. A M- current NBA player gets the ball at the top of the key. Jordan, right. with those damn yellow-whited eyes. I don't know what's wrong with his eyes. <laughs> 
I know y'all saw that little pooch gut at the bottom from drinking all that damn tequila. But he's got a year. He's got a year to prepare. And you're going to tell me that he can stay in front of a 22-year-old anybody? He's 57. No, man. Jordan couldn't beat most of the NBA right now. Do you guys remember a a video or a story like back in maybe 2015, 2014? Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, he was a rookie or a one-year, very very new in the league on the Hornets or on the Bobcats back then, and he played MJ in a one-on-one. MJ torched him. At practice? Right, in like a practice. You know, just MJ was out at the practice facility, and and he went one-on-one versus Michael Kid Gilchrist, and he beat him. So, I mean, maybe I just remembered that. Maybe I'm, I'm, you know, giving MJ hey, the short just, end of the you stick. You suck but. it up for one game with everything on the line. I mean, I, 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 like, I would think about the LeBron stuff, but man, I think I would side with MJ if it's Derrick no. Jones Jr. or Duncan Robinson. Hawk, he, he's gonna, you're talking about he, the greatest basketball player in history. Yes, but we are going back to like, could Marino lead a team to a win right now? Not a team. No, no, no. We're talking you about you know. Old. I understand that, but I would take Bill Russell over Derrick Jones Jr. right now. Oh. You hit him oh, one time in the back with your elbow. He's going. He can't to even hit. walk. He doesn't even walk. He He's going to turn into dust, to, to powdered milk. <laughs> we got to get to uh, headlines. Do you know, you know the noises that would be made if Jordan played right now? Oh, 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 oh! There you go. Yeah. Got no, you. Oh, oh, oh. no, no. It would be sit your ass down, ho. What do they call you, Derek Jones, ho, ho? It would sound like he, Christmas out there. Ho, ho, ho! <laughs> he would pump fake a thousand times. Oh, 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 oh! He's not Uncle Drew. Come on, man. He's 57. Does MJ think he can beat players in the NBA still? Like, is he so yes. out of touch he, uh, with himself? I, We're at I, I, saw, I saw a quote. I'll, I'll look for it during one of the commercial breaks um, where his team right now, I, I, one of the, they said, you know, why don't you practice with the players that are on your team or something like that? And he said something along the lines of, because I could beat them all one-on-one right now and I don't want to make them feel bad. So he Come absolutely on. believes that, yes. He is so out of touch with reality. It's unbelievable yeah, okay. like you get you to are. a pedestal you get to where uh jordan is and he's earned it but a pedestal he's the greatest player that's ever played the sport in the history of mankind and he has a bunch of yes men around him telling him lies because he doesn't hang with anybody else they're not the lies they're not lies you're the it's best so- until someone takes it from you hawk you believe right now Jordan could be the current NBA player? You're crazy. In one-on-one. Yes, man. He's 57, Hawk. Yeah, here it is. Michael Jordan thinks he could beat his Charlotte Hornets players one-on-one in his 50s, but he doesn't want to demolish their confidence. Michael Jordan may be well past his prime, but age in no way has limited his confidence. In a 2015 interview, so this is five years ago, his airness said that he thought he could take down players on his uh, Charlotte Hornets team one-on-one, even at 52 years old. I'm pretty sure I can, Jordan, who owns the Hornets, said. At the time, the uh, Charlotte's roster featured the likes of Kemba Walker, Cody Zeller, Courtney Lee, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, Jeremy Lamb, But even though the six-time NBA champion still thought he could compete with modern NBA stars even in middle age, that didn't mean he was planning to try. I don't want to do that and demolish their confidence, so I stay away from them. I let them think they're good. Yeah, that's every uncle at the family reunion. (laughs) Boy, boy. That's you at the creek. 
<laughs> boy, y'all boys don't want me to get out there, boy. Y'all don't want me to come out there with y'all now. I'm going to leave y'all alone. I'm going to let y'all young boys do what y'all do. Come on, old man. Set your old ass down. That's me with my somebody. kid in the backyard with basketball. <laughs> have you? Have, when's the last time you beat old TJ? So I beat him yesterday. Not and lie. oh, That's did I give him holy hell. <laughs> I was sweating guacamole. It was, there was guacamole coming out of my pores. You know that Funky Buddha shirt that they sent us that's uh, green, bright green? Yeah. He goes, he goes, oh, you're wearing the Funky Buddha shirt? And I go, no, 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 this is a white t-shirt. I am sweating guacamole out of my pores, and I beat him yesterday. And it was rainy, and we've got this, that VersaCord out there. I'm sliding all over the place. I look like the pizza delivery guy and something about Mary. I couldn't, but man, everything was falling. Any braces? Any knee braces or, or elbow pads? You got? I, I literally, Lori comes out. I'm like, I'm just sprawled out on the ground. She's like, you okay? I go, I don't think so. Because when it rains a lot, I can't go outside and play. So we had like a 15-minute window. And man, I, I am not kidding you. I wiped my brow and there was guacamole all over it. Yeah, and Jordan has you by what, seven years? Come on, <laughs> get out of here. Thanks for listening. Be sure to download the podcast and tune in again tomorrow night, 6 o'clock, for another edition of the Best of the Joe Show. Later, slug. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. 